When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of PFN's Fantasy Football Podcast. We are headed to Super Bowl 56 on Sunday with the Rams taking on the Bengals from SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. And we are going to break down your daily fantasy lineup on FanDuel this week and and also talk about how that can translate a little bit to DraftKings or any other of your favorite fantasy football platforms that you may play on. Joining me here is BJ Rudell our fantasy football director here at Pro Football Network. BJ, a huge matchup on Sunday, obviously the biggest game of the year in all of the sports, I think yes. somebody can argue. And yes. it's going to be what's shaping up to be an offensive matchup. And that's going to play a lot into our daily lineups and your daily lineups that you are going to be putting out there for people uh, people to um, put into their into their tools and to, their, to submit their final ticket. And, you know, one of the things I was looking at, BJ, with especially you're, you're going to give two lineups here to our audience. And the first one seems to be, um, you know, going on one game script. And the second one seems to be going on a different game script. And we're going to talk about how that contrasts with each other and, and how that might play out. But first, yeah. let's start with with your first FanDuel lineup. And, and, I mean, you know, this lineup looks to be that it assumes the Rams passing attack will run through their best player. And that is, of course, Cooper Cup, who, right. by the way, received one MVP vote uh, for the NFL honors. Obviously didn't get the MVP award. I don't think a receiver will ever win the MVP award. Yeah. But certainly very much deserves to be in the conversation. But it also assumes, BG, that the Bengals' top two receivers will struggle against the Rams' past defense, which will force Joe Burrow to focus on secondary options that are obviously extremely talented as well. And right. one of the things that we've been hearing out here in Los Angeles this week is everyone's looking forward to the Jamar Chase versus Jalen Ramsey matchup. Yes. Right. And we had Chad Ochocinco on a radio row with us in Los Angeles on Thursday. And we had asked him about this matchup. And he said, this is this is a heavyweight matchup. This is, you know, you compare it to boxing. It's it's the main event of all main events. And, right. and it's really going to be interesting. And your lineup here, your first FanDuel lineup takes that into account. So walk us through that. Yeah, it, it, what's interesting, and just to, because this lineup has so much to do with Jamar Chase, uh, because he is not in this lineup, spoiler alert, um, it, it, is, it is important to understand why. Um, we can understand how Jamar Chase could get 200 re- receiving yards. I mean, he, is a, he and Cooper Cup are arguably the two best receivers uh, fantasy-wise. They're going up against each other. The big difference is that the Rams, if they want to, I think if, if they want to, they can try to shut, not entirely shut Chase down, but I think they can keep him to about six catches, 60 yards. It's very similar to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago with the Chiefs when Jamar Chase uh, went off for about 265 yards, three scores when the Bengals faced the Chiefs earlier this season. They go up again, and the issue was we don't think the Chiefs are going to let Chase beat them. So Chase still had a good game, but he didn't have a – you throw all your money at him game. Uh, T. Higgins provided more value. 
So we're looking at this lineup through that lens. I don't think the Rams are going to let Chase beat them. I think they're going to force other tertiary options, maybe T. Higgins, maybe Joe Mixon, but I think they're going to take particular care to make sure that Chase does not change the complexion of the game. So the, the captain, the DFS MVP that we've got for this slot is Cooper Cup, because I don't think the Bengals have an answer for Cup. Uh, with, with one exception this year, he's had either 90-plus receiving yards or a touchdown, oftentimes both. So you, you have to have a really good reason to go against Cup in this game. I've run through a bunch of scenarios. I cannot come up with a good reason why. I think the best case scenario for, for sitting Cup would be a contrarian pick where you believe the Rams might get an early defensive touchdown, and then maybe Cam Akers or Sonny Michelle or Daryl Henderson run one in, and then suddenly the Rams start going into more of a conservative, hold the big lead kind of mode. But the likelihood of that happening against a high-powered Bengals offense is slim to none, so Cup is the featured player in this lineup. And sometimes, BJ, and I think we talked about this last time as well, before the conference championship games, sometimes people overthink things, right? And they try to outsmart themselves. And this is one of those situations where you just don't outsmart yourself. You put Cooper Cup in your lineup and you let it ride. And and yes, probably everyone else out there, unless like you said, they're doing a contrarian pick, is going to have Cooper Cup in their lineup. But it's almost a situation where if you don't have Cooper Cup in your lineup, your chances of winning are probably going to be pretty low. That's right. You have to... if. And some people out there are doing, you know, two lineups, 10 lineups. Maybe a couple of you out there are uh, are doing 50 lineups. Whatever your budget, you can afford to have Cup not in your lineup in some of your lineups. But if you're like me and you only play a couple a week because you can beat your head against the wall trying to come up with every possible combination and you still don't win. So you got to go with your best bets based on the most likely game scripts. If you're going one or two lineups like I do, Cup has to be in it. And that's your MVP slot. And so looking at your other positions on there, let's look at the QB position, right? And you have Matthew Stafford here. And one thing that I've been discussing, you know, we're on the ground here in L.A. with some of our staff. And Adam Beasley, he's here, our NFL director, Dalton Miller, one of our lead NFL analysts. And Aaron Wilson was here earlier in the week, our NFL reporter and insider at the national level. We were all talking about Stafford. And there is no doubt that Stafford can be rattled and Stafford might end up having a bad game. And if we were talking about, that's probably the Bengals only chance. And the Bengals have a good defense. They can get pressure on the quarterback, but you, you seem to feel that Stafford in this lineup and your second lineup, which we'll get to in just a little bit is a better option than Joe Burrow. I think everything changed in the Bucks game. And maybe that's a dramatic statement to make for a guy who's 34 and likely on the downside of his career, you know, in terms of age, in terms of uh, uh, just wear and tear. He probably has three to four good years left, maybe more if things break right. But he going into the playoffs, he had thrown seven picks in three games. Uh, This was not a Rams team or a quarterback uh, looking comfortable. Um, this was a team that was very much a question mark, even facing an injury-depleted Cardinals team, which they took care of handily. I think what Stafford and Cup did at the end of that Bucks game, where, uh, and I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago, you know, blowing a 28-3 lead based on three late turnovers, and then 
with knowing that if they don't convert with 40, 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter, if the Bucks win the toss, coin toss in overtime, the Bucks are probably going to win that game. We could feel it happen. Stafford had two to three plays to win that game. And I think what happened there is we saw a different Stafford. Uh, we saw a Stafford who could play in the biggest game of his life and thrive in the most important moment. And I don't want to overstate that because all quarterbacks are capable of that. The difference with Stafford and the reason why I think he's almost game proof in this contest is that he has a running back core that is capable of passing catches in the backfield. This is not a, a Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry situation, or in the old days, you know, an Adrian Peterson where you're just, you know, Peterson could run it in for three touchdowns and the quarterback is, is, is locked out of fantasy points. There is a high likelihood that Stafford's going to get two touchdowns or more in this game, just based on the fact that the running game has been good, but the running game has not been great. And they're also good at catching balls. And you throw in the fact that they've got three good pass catchers in the receiving core, plus, you know, including the best uh, receiver in the game. It's hard to imagine Stafford flopping. And I go back to that Bucks game. I really think if they win the Super Bowl, I think you could look back on that deep throw to cup um, where Stafford just went for it instead of playing it safe, went for it. And that's what makes a champion. And I think he's coming in with more confidence than he's ever had in a game. I think Matthew Stafford is criminally underrated. I have made that thought very clear on social media and other places. And there is nothing uh, more as a fan of the football game to see a guy like Stafford who has been overshadowed by the lions poor <laughs> track management of you know running their franchise and not putting the best players around him yeah he had calvin johnson and everything else but the organization was still not very good at what they were doing right and to see him be able to move to los angeles in a spot now that puts him in position to win his first super bowl it's it's uh it's a great story and uh one that i think you know like he's like you said bj he's going to take full advantage of so let's move to your running back spots yeah, Can I ahead. have one more thing really quick? Yeah. Uh, the the thing about Stafford to keep in mind, I don't remember what it was last year, but I remember a year or two ago, I wrote a, a piece on Stafford um, on my old you know blog, and it was about how he'd never had a 1,000-yard rusher in all this time as a quarterback. He'd never had a 1,000-yard rusher, and he pretty much never had a good defense. Um, uh, he's got both. He The pressure is not on him to make things happen he can choose his moments that's what makes stafford on the rams this year different than any other time we've seen stafford where the potential has always been there the execution has sometimes been there but it was all on him he's now on a team where his running backs combined for over 1500 yards rushing and his defense is the best he's ever had i think that in part is what gives stafford the confidence to choose his moments rather than feel the pressure to to carry the team on his back like he did for 10 years. Agreed 100%. And you got supporting cast around him. The Rams have done an incredible job building that. And that includes That's adding right. Odell Beckham to that list as well, who is not on your on, on your lineup, at least this lineup. Primary. He will be That's on your right. second one, which we'll get to shortly. But let's look right. at the running back position and Joe Mixon. And this is where I'm really interested because you have Mixon on this one, but not your second one. And, yes. and talk to us about that. So Mixon was my number five overall uh, fantasy running back this summer. Um, he had a 13 uh, uh, average draft position. He was my number five for all the reasons that we've seen. Um, he's, he is also criminally underrated. 
on a per game basis, he's always been a back end RB one. Um, he just hasn't been healthy and he hasn't had the offense around him to manufacture touchdowns at a consistent rate. He's done it this year. The problem with Mixon, the concern is that he has slowed significantly in the second half of the season. The last eight games, he's averaged 3.5 yards a carry. What he did against the Chiefs last week is a little bit of an anomaly. The Chiefs do not have a good running defense. Uh, Mixon was able to capitalize on that. The thing about Mixon, the reason why he's in this lineup, and we're spending a lot of money, 12500 on him, is that if we believe Jamar Chase is going to be shut down, and if we believe that the key for the Bengals in this game is to try to control the clock, because in the last three games, no team has controlled the clock more in terms of a, you know numerically over 35 minutes a game than the Rams. The Rams have been the, the clock controller. The Bengals need to make sure they are moving the ball. Three and outs are going to crush them in this game. And I think that's where I believe in this lineup, Mixon has the advantage because he, with the passing game, he's caught about 29 balls in the last, I think, four or five games. He is used all over the field in every situation. He may not get more than three, five yards, 3.5 yards a carry, but as long as he's catching balls and as long as he's still getting goal line looks, that's why he's in this lineup. And I, I know we talked about this a little bit offline, BJ, but that game script that game script could be very bad for Joe Mixon or any other yes. Bengals running back who might might be in the mix. And that's yes. going to be very fascinating. I am sure the Bengals will try to establish a run very early in the process, unless they're going to go all out with, with Joe Burrow. But I do think they're going to try to get Joe Mixon going to keep the Rams offense off the field as much as possible. It will be interesting, though, if, if the Rams get out ahead early, what the Bengals do. Do they still try to stick to the run, which I think they should, or if they start to panic a bit and start to air it out, which then can turn into either A, an offensive shootout, or B, lots of mistakes happening, and then you're forced to pass because you're down so much anyways. That's right. I think this is a case where, you know, because we're presenting two lineups today, it's important to say that it's not that we believe Mixon is a sure thing. It's saying uh, Mixon, there is a clear path for the Bengals, just what you're saying, Matt, to establish the run. And if they establish the run, Mixon is utilized in such a way where he doesn't need to get 70 rushing yards to still be effective in fantasy. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. He has more rushing attempts this season in the second half than in the first half. His yards per carry are better in the second half than in the first half. And while trailing, um, he has more touchdowns. Uh, uh, in terms of rushing touchdowns, he has eight rushing touchdowns versus when they're leading, he has five. The, the reason why I feel comfortable using him in one of these lineups is because Mixon is a four quarterback. He is not a guy who can be easily phased out. Granted, the Bengals have not lost a game by a lot in, I think, a couple months, you know, more than a touchdown. But I still think that the Bengals keep this close enough where Mixon is a four quarterback. And that's why it's important to have multiple lineups, right? Not just one, because that's right. you put all your eggs in one basket, the chances of you hitting are pretty low. But if you multiply that up and, and you split it up and you try to look at different game scripts like you are, BJ, that obviously opens up your chances to winning some money. That's Let's right. look at the tight end position. Um, and you have uh, CJ Uzoma in both lineups. And yes. I want to ask you about this, BJ, because he's coming off an injury, limited in practice yes. later in this week, expected to play. 
but you're putting him over guys that, that you know, a guy like Higby who might be able to put up more points, although it was almost a more talented player. Talk to us about that. Yeah, Higby's very questionable right now. And the uh, the beauty of doing DFS on a Friday is that we don't know what's going to happen Sunday. We don't know if Higby's going to be a full go. Uh, so we are recording this on uh, on Friday morning. Uh, and right now, Uzoma is a much better bet to play. He even promised earlier this week that there's no way he would miss this game. Um, Drew Sample is not a threat. He's a former number two draft pick, but Sample is not a threat. It's Uzoma or bust at that position. The concern with Higby is that if he is in any way limited, Kendall Blanton has stepped up enough the last two weeks to be concerned that Higby might not get a full complement of snaps. Uh, he might not be used in those situations where he's normally used. And so because they have Blanton, um, I think there's more pressure on Uzoma. Again, this lineup assumes Chase gets moderately shut down. I don't think Chase gets more than 14 fantasy points in this game. Uh, and I think that opens the door for someone like Ozuma, Ozuma to step up. When you look at that that kind of game script with Ozuma going in there, remember BJ when Terrell Owens played in the Super Bowl with a broken leg? Yeah. And, and obviously Ozuma is not, not in the same position as that. But there yeah. is something to be said, and I will, I will kind of lean into your analysis on this one of what you just said, of the adrenaline of playing in the Super Bowl, right? You've worked yeah. – your entire career, your entire life, really dreaming about it and getting to this point. And I don't, I don't think Uzoma's going to let a little injury or any kind of injury stop him from being on that field and being productive to help out his team. And if it does turn into a high-powered offensive shootout, then Uzoma uh, very likely to be highly involved. Yeah. he's. This is a guy who, unless I've missed something, his contract runs out this year. Um this is this is it. I mean, he is he is playing for immortality uh, as a as a tight end on a Super Bowl winning team that was expected to finish what third or fourth in that division uh, in the preseason. So uh, I know the odds makers had the Ravens and Browns, you know, as, as better bets for the Super Bowl. So this is he's he's playing with house money at this point. He gets hurt in the last game. He's having a career year statistically. He's getting about four, five, six catches a game in recent weeks. This is not a um, this is not a Tennessee tight end situation. This is a you know this is a situation where you are assuming Burrow gets a couple scores, and if he does, Uzoma has a very good chance of getting one of them. Uh, I think he scored. He he and uh, I'll, I'll get to Tyler Boyd in a second, but he and Tyler Boyd have scored. Uh, one or more touchdowns in nine ga- across nine of the 20 games the Bengals have played. So you have a 45% chance, if you base on that, of one of those two guys scoring. We know the probabilities don't work that way, but we have to look at the season as a whole and understand that Uzoma, and I'm, I'm, I'm giving it away here with Tyler Boyd, we're going to get to him, that between the two of them, they're both very cheap, 7,500 and 8,500 in FanDuel. They are a great way to hedge and round out a lineup where we think combined they're a good bet for 20 points so let's you mentioned tyler boyd and let's get to him right now and and in your first lineup and we will get we will get to uh to recapping each lineup for you we're kind of jumping back and forth between each one because they they contrast and compare with each other quite well so in in your first manual lineup bj you have tyler boyd as the wide receiver um along with cooper cup of course and then but in your second lineup 
you have T. Higgins and Odell Beckham. And so That's in the right. second lineup, you take out Mixon, you uh you put in one of one of T. Higgins and Odell, and then you take out Tyler Boyd and you replace him with the other. So That's talk right. to us about why Boyd in the first one, why Higgins and Beckham in the second one. People can look at Boyd the last two weeks and say, this guy isn't getting anything. Like, why bother? Um, the thing to keep in mind with Boyd is that he's caught more balls in the fourth quarter um, than Jamar Chase or T. Higgins. Um, he is the veteran on this team. Higgins is 23. Chase is 21. Uh, uh, it's not to say that Chase and Higgins aren't better. They are. It's not to say Chase and Higgins probably um, you know, won't outproduce Boyd. They, they probably will. But there is still an opening for Boyd. And again, we're talking about if Jamar Chase gets largely contained by Jalen Ramsey and this Rams defense, Tyler Boyd did most of his damage this season while trailing. Um, that, you know, if you take out when they're tied and take out when the when the Bengals were winning, 49% of his receptions, 51% of his receiving yards while trailing. This is a team that had a winning record. They weren't trailing most of the time, yet. Boyd was the a featured receiver in those instances. So as we're going through game script and looking at how to set a DFS lineup, if we assume the Rams are maintaining a three to 10 point lead for much of this game, Boyd becomes increasingly valuable as the game goes on, especially if the Bengals find that what they're doing is not working. Uh, Boyd provides that five catch, 40 yard, comfortable, you know, a realistic expectations that we've seen time and again. He also has boom potential. This is a guy who a couple of years ago, um, you know, without Higgins, without Chase, uh, clearly could establish himself as a junior level number one receiver on the Bengals um, with A.J. Green uh, uh, starting his decline. So we know what Boyd can do. We know that he was a top 40 fantasy receiver, even playing with Higgins and Chase. So for all those reasons, if we're assuming the game's going to go the way we think, Boyd is a more valuable commodity than we give him credit for. And it's you keep mentioning game script, BJ. And I think that's, I think that's smart. I think it's obvious, but I think not enough people quite think about it as much as they should. And looking at the past history, I know you're a big believer in past history does not predict what happens in the future. Yes. But looking at both of these offenses, both of these defenses, and then trying to make an informed hypothesis of what might happen during that game, and then putting that on paper and putting basically essentially money where your mouth is, yeah. you're looking at a game that can go two completely different ways. And you've done a great job explaining the various pain points of each one of those games and how that can impact different players. And what's, again, I'm fascinated by the fact that you can have a Bengals offense that drives Joe Mixon throughout the entire game. And then you have another game script where he's completely taken out of it. And how much can change in such a short amount of time? Yes. I think back to the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning and the Broncos versus the Seahawks. And on the very first snap of the game, yes. if I recall correctly, it was the first snap. Uh, yes. It goes over Peyton Manning's head. And I believe it was a safety or it could have been a touchdown. I can't quite remember that part. I think it was a safety because, safety. That, yeah, the Rams got, you know, yeah, the Seahawks got it back and you're wondering what just happened. Yeah. And then the Seahawks went down and scored again. And all of a sudden, yeah, the Broncos are down by nine points. Everyone thought changes. the Broncos would win that game. 
my my was with my buddy we were going to pick up wings uh before the game and he said to me i'm going to put some money down on this game and i said are you sure he put 300 bucks down 10 minutes before kickoff (laughs) and then 10 minutes later he put it on the broncos and then 10 minutes later he was wondering why he did what he just did (laughs) (laughs) but but it just goes to show how quickly things can change right and how prepared if you're a dfs player you need to be by submitting more than one lineup and and, and making it a a wide variety of options within those lineups and and trying to take all those game scripts into account that's right and one thing with mixon just to point out the reason why he could go either way seven of his 13 touchdowns rushing touchdowns this year have come from one or two yards out so the big question becomes if the bengals get that close we can't predict if the Bengals are going to, you know, if if uh, T. Higgins is going to catch a ball and fall at the, at the one and a half yard line, and then suddenly we're going, oh, glad we started Mixon. But if he falls into the end zone, too bad we didn't, you know, too bad we started Mixon. Like that's that's where game script doesn't work. We don't know the micro plays, but we can assess the probabilities of the macro plays. The macro plays are if if they get close to the goal line we could see how Mixon could get a couple one-yard scores because that's how the team operates close to the end zone. Um, they don't always, but Mixon is a great bet to be the guy to carry it over. So we're, we're, we're basing it on that, but then we're saying if they don't get close to the goal line and if Mixon has one of those games where it's 12 fantasy points and he's agonizingly close to breaking, breaking it open with a couple scores, but he doesn't get those opportunities, then aren't we glad we didn't start mixing because that means probably someone like Uzoma or Higgins or Boyd are going to get the benefit of that. And that's where we we do the shifts based on the differences in the micro level of the game script. But we try to uh, take a, a bigger picture view macro level of the two most likely scenarios to happen. Micro, you know, if that makes sense, the macro, we, we can see how two high probability uh, outcomes could take place. On the micro level, if we wanted to, we could have five, 10 lineups that really go through, okay, what if, you know, what if Nixon gets close to the goal line, but what if the same thing happens at the Rams? What if Akers struggles, Cam Akers struggles at the outset, and they do go to a hot hand, which I think will happen? And what if Sonny Michelle is the, the, the victor in that hot hand situation? Suddenly you could see a case for Sonny Michelle getting a couple goal line scores. So you could get right into the micro level of all of these players breaking out. And what we're trying to do is just say, let's keep it simple, two macro level game scripts, and who are the most obvious beneficiaries of those two macro level game scripts? So let's recap, BJ, both of your lineups here. FanDuel lineup number one, Cooper Cup is your MVP. He's going for 16,000 as a Friday morning. Matthew Stafford, QB, 15,500 for the Rams. Joe Mixon, Bengals running back, 12,500. Tyler Boyd, Bengals receiver, 8,500. And CJ Uzoma, the tight end from the Bengals, 7,500. This is a Bengals uh, heavy offense. And, so, and then having the Rams passing attack running through the best player in Cooper Cup. Um, it also assumes that the Bengals' top two receivers struggle against the Rams' pass defense. You see no uh, Jamar Chase in here, which forces Joe Burrow to focus on uh, some of the secondary options, such as Boyd, Uzoma, and, and leaning on Mixon a bit more. Your second FanDuel lineup uh, has. Cooper Cup in the MVP slot, 16,000. Stafford in the QB slot for 15,5. T. Higgins is replacing Joe Mixon in this one. He goes for 10,500, the Bengals wide receiver. 
Odell Beckham is replacing Tyler Boyd in this one. He's the Rams wide receiver for 10,500. And CJ Ozoma stays consistent in both lineups, the Bengals tight end for 7,500. And this lineup assumes that the Bengals running game struggles while the Rams prized preseason acquisition and Matthew Stafford. And then, of course, their midseason acquisition and Odell Beckham continues to step up and provide uh, that continued spark for this Rams offense. I think, BJ, I think Sean McVay knows what he did wrong last Super Bowl. I think think this is going to be a game where the final outcome is in no doubt throughout most of the game. Huh. What's your prediction? uh, uh, Do you have a final score or a point spread? 27 Rams, Bengals, 17. Wow, I've got 27. But I think it's going to – and I know that's yes. only 10. I know that's only 10, right? But I think it's going to be a game where where you just know that the Bengals aren't going to catch up to them. Yeah. You feel like it's going to be a consistent 10-plus point spread for most of I do. I do, and a very controlled game by the Rams. How about you, BJ? I'm, I'm going 27-22. I wrote a, a, a mid, midweek picks and predictions. Maybe it's a late-week picks and predictions of walking through the most likely game script for this game as I see it. And I have it at 27 22. I, I think it's going to be kind of a three to 10 point spread for most of the game. It's possible the Bengals score first. It depends who wins the opening, you know, coin toss in some ways. Um, but I do think, you know, Beckham is this amazing X factor um, as, as a guy who is playing for the rest of his career in this game. I mean, he is someone who um, I, I cannot think of many great receivers who have crashed as rapidly as he has because of situation uh, and and maybe because of other factors. We'll probably know more later in his career what the deal was with the Browns uh, beyond what we could easily uh, see. Uh, but this is a guy with, with so much to prove. And the reason why I wanted him in one of these lineups just to, to put a button on Beckham is that they signed him for this reason. I mean, this is the, the he is the X factor in this game. If he is playing at a level that we have seen the past couple of weeks, I, to your point, I don't see how the Bengals can keep up. This game goes down on Sunday from SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, Super Bowl 56, the game of all games every single year. Lots of people tuning in. We have you covered on Pro Football Network with all sorts of fantasy football advice beyond this podcast. We have DraftKings. We have FanDuel. We have other platforms. We have uh, injury reports. We have start sits. Anything that you need to know going into Sunday's game and on Sunday, you can find at profootballnetwork.com. Also, we have everything around the Super Bowl as well the foods, the appetizers, the snacks, the drinks, anything that you could think of that you need for the Super Bowl, the commercials. We have it on profootballnetwork.com. So we encourage you to check that out. BJ, any what's your favorite dish before we sign off the air here? What's your favorite yeah. Super Bowl dish? <laughs> I'd probably, I'd probably go nachos and, and ground beef and, you know, and all the fixings. I think that's a good, uh, 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 that's a safe, good bet for me anytime. How about you? Uh, you cannot ever, ever go wrong with chicken wings. And, and for me, the chicken wings are the granddaddy of them all. I will be, though, I will be at SoFi Stadium covering the game as part of the media, which is super exciting. And so I'm not sure what they're going to be feeding us. If they have some wings, I will take a picture and send it I, over to, to everyone here at PFN. I, I, I assume you will not be taking hot sauce in your pocket 
uh, to bring with you. <laughs> I will not be, especially if I'm going to wear a white shirt. That would not be great news for me. <laughs> that would be. Just to give that everyone a heads up of what's coming next after the Super Bowl, fantasy season is not over. In fact, it's only just beginning. We will be having a really look at what's coming in free agency in terms of landing spots, what that means for potential impact of players who are moving from team to team. We'll also be taking a closer look at the dynasty season where, you know, the prospects are getting drafted by their teams. What impact does that have on them? How will that impact your dynasty leagues? And then from there, we'll start looking at best ball before then the redraft season. So we're going to be back with you every single week following the Super Bowl. Be sure to tune into PFN's fantasy football podcast. I'm going to be here. BJ's going to be here. We're going to give you all the analysis and news you need to help you become a better fantasy football player and ultimately put money in your pockets. For BJ Rudell, I'm Matt Kanata. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time.